Welcome, everyone, all you studiers out there. Once again, here we are from Clinton, Ohio, New Franklin, Ohio, Akron, Ohio, the King James Bible Prophecy Church and Table. We're reading the introduction to our 77 books of the King James here. And I'm getting excited about it because these translators have a plethora of arguing going on that goes on to this very day. We're, there's a, a great school of occult teaching called the Philo School. It has to do with the mountain of Hermes and occult doctrine. And the more we studied this, the more we saw that the, this uh, Antichrist Bible versions are connected directly to this Philo school of thought, this Ptolemy school of philosophy. And, uh, and so many of the great philosophers, occult philosophers of the world have been tied to this. So how dare <laughs> they get their hands on our doctrine. Lots of people say, hey, don't study the occult doctrines. That could influence you. And I agree when you're a babe on the babe's milk. When you start to graduate and you peek back into these, to their side, see, they love to get a hold of our Bible and pollute it. It's their great pleasure. And then they have their occult preacher that tells you, never look at the occult doctrine. I disagree. We have to know the plans of the enemy. Now, I don't spend every day of the week doing it, but the Bible exposes it. The King James Bible exposes the occultists. It leaves them butt naked in front of us. So that's one of my great gripes with the other Bible versions that they hid all the occult doctrine that our 77 books of the King James exposes for us, the reader, the gentle reader. So let's get on. We're on page three on the intro, and I'm going to paraphrase it all. Everybody, you have page three. You can go back and read it. I'm going to give you the some of the words here. They used a lot of big words here in this intro, so I don't want to get bogged down, but I do want to go over it all. This is the third page of the intro to our King James, the 47 translators, their message directly to us, the reader. As we start page three, we get a list of the benefits of the study of the doctrine. Okay, and as it moves on, it starts talking about this fight between good and bad, between Christ and Satan, and yet these players here. Look at this. Tertullian, now, we all know this guy was on the good guys team back in the old days, Tertullian. And they're talking about him fighting with the other school of thought. And get this guy's name, Hermogenes. <laughs> Her 
Hermogenes. He's named after Mount Hermon. Why? Well, we know why. We're going to go into that. The 47 translators call it a battle between Christianity and Platoism. Okay. Now, what is the great defense we have? What is, I know, the Holy Ghost, God Almighty, Jesus Christ. But doctrine is our defense. And the translators call it food for the body. And that's exactly right. What they just described there, Christ described. He told the apostles, the bread I'm talking about, I said, beware of the bread of the Pharisees. That's their doctrine. So the symbology of feeding the soul, either good food or bad food, Christ gave us. See, so much of the, of the sim, similitude language was given to us by Christ. And here we have it, food for the body. And they also call it food for the soul, and they're absolutely right. Without the written word, where would we be? We'd be in trouble. Well, Christ promised us his word would be protected. Now, these translators go on, and they say, they're perfecting the scriptures. And why are they saying that? Because of the great gathering there in 1500 to 1600. Of all the Bible versions, all of them sent around. The apostles themselves translated into Greek and then for Greek to every, every Christian in the world. Every place on the four corners of earth was given the doctrine before 70 AD, they were sent out. And then they, they, they give us a name of some of the people involved in the church, and they go on with some of the gripes, but they say, we're not going to get down with all the arguments. Uh, so we have this, uh, this list of uh, St. Augustine and Jerome and Tertullian, and here's this, this name. I can't believe someone would take this name, like Herman Munster, Hermogenes, uh, Apelius. Get this name. Justin Martyr. St. Basil. And then another bad guy, Helodius. And they're saying, hey, look, we're not going to bore the reader to death with all that. Okay? But then they go into some similitudes of their own. Uh, and you can tell how a school they are on the scriptures. Uh, they're calling the scriptures themselves an armory of weapons, and that's true. How many times have we said our battle is not to go out here and swing the sword and try to uh, overthrow the government or something stupid like that? You're not going to do that. You're not going to take your uh, sawed-off shotgun and go overthrow the government. Uh, that's just that's just non-biblical. Uh, they call it uh, uh, a medicine against heresies. And that's true, too. It is the medicine against the heresies. And where are those heresies coming from? Well, a great many of them came right from this worldwide school of thought. It was based there in Egypt, ordained by the great kingpin family from Egypt there. 
named after one of the great antichrists of the wicked eagle, Alexander the Great. Okay? So, here's another good one there as they go on here. It's a they say it's written by God and edified by the Holy Ghost. Now, <laughs> that's that's very artistic, the way that was put. And they go on with some similitudes. That's their similitude now, folks. I didn't say that. Uh, to me, the, God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are all one. But uh, written by God and edited by the Holy Ghost, I thought that was cute. And then it says, Scripture is a pantry of food against poison tradition. Did you hear that? Again, Christ said, beware of the bread of the Pharisees. And they said, well, hey, uh, we're going on. We didn't bring food for the, oh, Christ turns around and says, no, no. Don't you understand? I was talking about their doctrine. And why do you think Christ at the Last Supper? Take this bread and eat it. That's the doctrine. That's feeding your soul, the written word. The written word, folks. Okay? Uh, get this. It's a profitable laws. They're talking about the doctrine that we got now. Profitable laws against ungodly spirits. And that's true. How do you cast out devils out of people? Is it not through the Holy Ghost? Is the Holy Ghost not responsible for your written word? Oh, sure it is. Another one of their little similitudes here that the uh, translators have is that they're preservatives against poison heresies, okay? But then they go into translation and how important it is. How is one to know the truth if they don't hear? they say. And how are they going to hear unless someone translates? How, how warm and loving is that? They say here, they say that translation opens the door to let light in. How about that? For a little similitude. It's a, a translation breaks the shell so that one can eat the kernel of truth. And it puts aside the curtain in another little uh, similitude so that you can look into the holy place. Okay, now you see how they're, they're using the tabernacle itself as a similitude of doctrine. That's very, very fascinating. It removes the cover from the well so that one can drink the truth. How about all those symbols, how well those harmonize with the Bible? You can tell they are really schooled in the Bible and the similitude language. Okay? Now, uh, they, they go on about without translation, we'd all be like barbarians. Barbarians. Now, if you if you look at the Bible, there's places there that they give you where they talk about that. They talk about um, if you came in there and everyone's speaking in tongues and are, you're going to say, are they all a bunch of drunks, etc." All those are in our history of our Bible. So it was all important to get these translations in. Okay? So 
What did the Alexandria Philo School try to do with Madame Lebowski and all these people, uh, Westcott and Hort, all, all of them? Well, they wanted to replace word-based salvation and replace that and go back to art-based salvation. In other words, let's not have the children sitting at the table reading the Bible with you. No, no, no. Let's drag them into the temple. Let's let them see the statue of St. Joe or St. Schmo or Mother Mary or whatever it is. Instead of the written word, we're going to have temples and we're going to have statues and we're going to have a holy shrine in the art-based salvation. But even if you could, if you could make a case for that and you were Christian and you said, okay, we want to make a shrine for the Lord, even though God said, you can't do this. You can't make art for me. You can't make symbols for me. Who does make the art and the symbols? Well, that's taught right there in the Alexandria School of Philosophy and all the other schools around the world. But this was a big one, a big one, a huge one. So would you base your temple like Moses? We just went through Leviticus, by the way. And he went over and over and over how he wanted that tabernacle set up. I mean, he goes into it to where it is monotonous, folks. Multiple books. Would you make your temple like Moses was given by God, a replica of heaven? Or would you go to Baal worship and how they set their temples up? Let me ask you, Christian, what would you do? Would you grab all the Baal worship and call that Christian? Well, that's what happened. And it didn't just happen there with Constantine. No. No, the Protestants, they were just as bad about getting people away from the word. Now, by going into Latin with their Antichrist doctrine, then they could say, oh, no. You can't read the Bible. You got to have the the great scholar to read it for you. Ah, now they got you. And by going into Latin and freezing it there, freezing it there, from three fifty with A.D. with this uh, originist <laughs> origin. They, you got to ask yourself, what kind of name is that? These these names are fake names, folks. Uh, you got to worry about that. Concern yourself with that when someone changes their name. You hit it all the way to 1581. Okay? No one could read it. In fact, people were burned at the stake for trying to translate into English, but yet it went on and it went all over the world, not with the Catholic and Protestants, 
No. With the apostles, and that went across the whole firmament of the earth. Despite anything to do with Roman Catholic, with anything to do with Protestant. Okay. Let's take Martin Luther then. How is he guilty of wanting to destroy the Bible? <laughs> when he was in the Warburg Castle, castle, and he was supposedly translating a, a an English version for everybody, you realize he said to get rid of the whole Old Testament. So he didn't monkey around. He didn't just keep it over there in a closet somewhere in a different language. No, he said, here, I'm giving you my German version here. And let's just throw the whole Old Testament away. Isn't that ducky? Well, he was a Rosicrucian too. See? So these are occultists. This is what we're up against. And buddy, so few people will say that. They still gush over Martin Luther, like he's some big prince of good. And he's not. He's a Rosicrucian. That is Egyptian. Ah, full circle. Rosicrucian Museum today. Go look at it. And all you have is pyramids. All you have is obelisks. It is an Egyptian muse museum. Rosicrucian is the Egyptian gods and goddesses doctrine that came from Egypt. That's what it is. Okay? So we went from the word-based salvation. Did they say, hey, uh, can, did they say confess Jesus Christ as Lord and be baptized? Or did they say start building temples and building shrines? What should they say to do? No, 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 no. We are to read the written word. And this is what they did. They beat that out of everybody. And I'm talking about all these denominations, these fake, phony denominations that came out of Constantine. That whole thing came in place of the written word. You had 1,500 years where no one, they weren't, to even today, even today. Even today, people will tell you they don't have to know anything. They don't have to know anything, okay? They don't have to uh, read. And that's just what I'm saying. They're, they're victims of what's being taught. Okay, here's one big gripe that I have. It is the, the, the similitude language. When it comes to all these other Bible versions, and I, and I mean all of them, without studying the Philo School of Thought, without studying any of the other doctrines that came out of Baal worship, none of that. Uh, the similitude language of prophecy is gone. Now, I haven't heard that from anybody. I haven't heard any of the great defenders of the King James. Now, I'm not knocking the people that are defending the King James. If they are defending the King James today, I'm going to uh, cut them a lot of slack because those people are really seeking. 
But one of the complaints that I have is the similitude language gone. Because Christ explained the similitude language. When he gave the great uh, similitude of the, uh, the gathering of the saints into the barn, they, uh, he explained it to them. He gave them the, the seed. What is the seed? What is the harvest? What is stubble? And those terms that are used are used throughout all prophecy. So that when I'm speaking prophecy, um, and I say the harvest, people realize that I'm talking about the harvest of souls. I'm talking about the first sickle when it goes in, and the second sickle, and uh, the day of the Lord, and in that day, and what is the term stubble? What is thorns and briars? And that's throughout, that's throughout the Bible, it's throughout prophecy. And once you understand the parabolic language, it's no different than any other subject. I don't care if you were a law enforcement officer and you were sitting, listening to the radio, there would be terms that came across that radio that a, a citizen just wouldn't understand. Or if you're a nurse down here, that you're going to say things there that are going to come from your doctor that are terms that are used over and over where uh, the, the patient coming in, he doesn't understand that or she. So this is the language of prophecy that I'm talking about that is throughout the 77 books. It is in the book of Second Esdras. It is in the, all the prophets' books. It is in all the Gospels. It is back into Genesis. All these terms are there, and they uh, give us a language so that we can understand when I say the harvest. Now, we know that that harvest is the harvest of souls. And uh, so those are the terms that are there. They're easy. If you were a, a mechanic, there's going to be a, a type of wrench. If I say, give me a monkey wrench. Well, to somebody that's a nurse, they may say, what are you talking about? Well, if you're a mechanic and you've been around, you know what a monkey wrench is. See, these are, it's a simple language that we can all understand, and yet it opens the doors of communication. And I go back to what they're talking about. Translation allows communication, and that's the free gift of our doctrine that allows us to understand what's being said very easily. Okay? Okay, another thing that you don't hear a lot about is that the uh, King James, the King James, gives us the names of the occult. It exposes the occult. Okay, it where the other Bible versions hide those things. They not only, uh, let's say, uh, I say the harvest, and, and everybody realizes what that is. You go through the New King James, and they've changed that into 10 different terms so that there's no uh, glue to hold it all together so we know exactly what we're talking about. 
And um, so there's terms in there, though, that are sacred in Satanism. One of the big smoking guns is removing Lucifer. That all-important light giver uh, that's throughout the occult that we know is in Satanism, it's the big important name when it comes to Satanism. Now, we realize that Satan has many names. He has uh, Lucifer, Satan, Baal, Bell. Um, he, he, he can change his name in his doctrine. He's the God of the wind. So we, we already realize that. We're not going to have one sacred name. However, by removing Lucifer and muddy in that water, we uh, are... We are hiding the occult when we remove that name. The name Grove, we went through that. Why is Grove now replaced with another name that it does not mean the same thing at all? Uh, that, that is all hiding the occult, and it goes on from there. Instead of all the knowledge that I personally have gotten the rituals themselves are described here. The gods of these people are described. Lots of that is taken out. Lots of that is muddied. And it goes back to this Alexandrian Philo school. And to have it tied directly into Madame Blavatsky is just mind-blowing. Because she was a great apologist for the occult, for Satanism to introduce it to America and the world and to normalize it. Because remember, they're not atheists. They just aren't. And I don't care how much uh, they try to say that they are atheists. They are not atheists, folks. They believe in God and they believe in the devil and they believe their devil is going to win the, the um, battle here. Okay, uh, so with this school and other schools like it, and this is a big one there, having Ptolemy, Ptolemy's name right on it, and we're going to study Ptolemy when we get on to more of these pages in the book of the Maccabees. Who is this Ptolemy? Is he a good guy? No, he's not. Did he believe in the... Uh, Doctrine of the devil? Yes, he did. And here's his name, along with Alexander the Great, an Antichrist, right here on this big shrine school. So it was involved in all the pollution of the word, but it didn't work. We have our 77 books here. We just do. So when it takes this, this Alexandrian school of thought, uh, they, their goals are right there along with the New Age. Uh, Madame Lebowski was involved in every type of secret society. She was even MI5. So she's a big government stoolie. She was a big-time Kabbalist. Was the Alexandrian school, Philo school, was it Kabbalist? Absolutely it was Kabbalist. They taught the Zohar. They taught the Babylonian Talmud. They create religions and slap them down. So what is the goal of all the Antichrist Bibles? 
what is the goal of the Alexandrian Ptolemy school of thought with all their occultists like Madame Lebowski, who loved Westcott and Hort. Their goals are all the same. The same as your evangelicals today. All the things that came out of Calvinism. Okay? Remember this. That all roads are going to lead to Jerusalem. All roads are going to lead to the Antichrist and the false prophet and that talking idol. Remember what I said, not word-based salvation, but art-based salvation. And here it is, the talking idol. And when you talk about the talking idol, that leads you right to the mark of the beast, which is the Carl Sanders chips and the nano robots that are in all the jabs, all jabs. So this has affected every seminary school in the world. I don't care what denomination you think you have. I want to take your uh, thoughts right here to Detroit Baptist Seminary. And what we're reading and what we're studying here that's from the translators, they blow their stack over the Detroit Baptist Seminary. And they say there's no way the apostles and Christ should have been using the real doctrine. No, 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 no. They should have never done that. The Detroit Baptist Seminary mocked these first 10 pages, which we've just read the third page. I paraphrased it for you. They hated that. And they should have never done that. The, and the reason is, is I sat here and I got on the uh, Jerome translation and uh, the popes and all of them and uh, how they uh, absorbed the Baal worship. Well, here's the Detroit Baptist Seminary going right along with it. Now, how do you like that? How do you like that, folks? So, uh, what does it say when you start to remove doctrine out of the Bible? What well, What is that going to get you? Because remember, the shepherd of Hermes. The shepherd of Hermes. What does that mean to everybody out there? The shepherd of Hermes speaks for itself because that is the Antichrist doctrine of all the fallen angels coming down to Mount Hermes. And who was behind that? Was it not Satan? 200 angels that gave, that started mating with humans, started having sex with humans. That's what's taught. And here they are gushing over it. And they name their doctrine that they are going to replace revelations. And they did replace it. You see, the manuscripts that came out of origin 
they they replaced Revelations and they replaced James. And they took all these Gnostic Gospels and shoved them in there. And that's in the Vaticanus Receptus or the Alexandrius Receptus or the Sinaiticus Receptus, all three of those. All of them were guilty of removing the book of Revelations and creating new doctrine. Okay, but by the time Jerome published the Latin Vulgate, into English, that is, in 1585, they realized that they can't get that off. That if they allow those occult doctrines, like the doctrine of Barnabas and the Gospel of Thomas, all these and the worst of all is this shepherd of Hermes. The shepherd of Hermes is the Antichrist. It is the devil. It's Lucifer. That's what it's over. That's, there's, there's no questioning that. And even if you take Tyndale's version of the New Testament, which he, he tried to go out, uh, and I say the New Testament, look what I'm saying. These guys are supposedly, supposedly Protestant. They don't get to the Old Testament. No, all we need is the New Testament. That's impossible. Because all the apostles did was quote the Old Testament. Christ did it over and over. It is written. It is written. It is written. There's no, no way removing the Old Testament is nothing more than Satanism. And it's an attack on our doctrine. Not to mention the Council of Trent. Now, if you go to research the Council of Trent, you're going to run into a lot of propaganda. And you've got to beware on all these subjects here. You've got to wade through them. You've got to wade through them and get around all the propaganda to get to the truth. But this truth's been out here. These... Uh, so here's the Council of Trent, and as I said, I picked up a book, The Reasons We Believe the Council of Trent Was Correct in Removing the Eleven Books. You pick it up to page one. There's no prophecy in the Apocrypha. Well, they start off with a lie, page one. So they, they, they are only after people that haven't read. I mean... Second Esdras is one of the most heavy-duty prophecy books that we have. Okay? And this Westcott and Hort from 1875 to 1881, they not only had a secret society named the Ghost Guild, but they had another one that they created called the Hermes Club. And they believe in Plato, they believe in the astrology, they gush over Plutarch, the one that in, uh, got credit for uh, the Doctrine of Atoms. Now, you say the Doctrine of Atoms, that's modern. No, it isn't. I'm talking about 500 B.C., the Doctrine of Atoms. And he also there invented the Round Earth model, which... Of course, didn't come from him, but he gets the credit for it. That's the way history is written. Plutarch had the round earth model there 
way before that. Even uh, all these pictures of all these witches and all these great saints and all these great demon kings and all of them had the round earth model sitting right before them. How could Galileo be responsible in 1580? Wasn't that it? Didn't the Pope imprison him for saying the earth was round? Well, you go to your astrologers now. And they say, well, you're right. He didn't really invent. We were lying all this time. So everything I was taught in my history book in from grade school all the way through high school and college was a lie. But now they're telling us the truth. Now there's Galileo really didn't do that. No, <laughs> but now we're going to tell you the truth. No, that goes way back. Oh, it does. How is that? I thought Columbus went across the uh, ocean to uh, prove the world was round. Isn't that what you were taught in school? See, you were taught lies. And that's why I'm saying this, what we're talking about here is a big deal because we're talking about propaganda and we're talking about destroying people. But what do we do if you say uh, somebody comes up with a new doctrine? Let's say someone says that the spaceships are coming and they're going to save us from this asteroid that's going to hit Earth. And here comes the spaceship or, or Maroney, the little angel, comes and gives you a new doctrine and straightens you up. Okay? What do you do with that? Well, let's see what Paul said here. And here I'm going to read, get these numbers again, in Galatians 6 through 9. Here's what Paul said about people creating new doctrines, like Westcott and Hort did, like uh, any of the other Antichrist figures, like the popes that came in and said that uh, we have a new doctrine here. We don't need the Old Testament. Uh, we'll remove the idolatry commandment. We're going to do that. We're going to do with the doctrine as we see fit. What's the Bible say about that? Well, here's Paul's letter to the Galatians in chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel that you are soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. Unto another an gospel. Okay, what did he just say? It's an other gospel, okay? But here in seven, he fingers these people that have their Antichrist Bible version. In seven, it says, now this is this other gospel, same sentence, it says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Bingo, there they are. There's the Alexandrian school. It's a worldwide school. Okay? But listen to this. What is our directions now? What does he say about these people marching in here with their other Bible versions? It says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Accursed. As we said before, 
so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that ye have received, let him be accursed. And these people were marching in here with this. Because this goes back pre-Christ. The, even the Septuagint people had this attack within there. And they, want, they had good intentions. Let's put everything we have in the Greek, right? And we'll give it to the whole world. Now, this is back during the time of the Maccabees. This is 300 B.C. And here is that's what the Essenes the were doing. They were scribing. So it's a big faith builder to know that the King James Version was a gathering of all the Gospels, despite the churchiology mumbo-jumbo, Protestant, and Catholic. That is garbage. Did I call that garbage? I mean it's garbage. That's, that's the door for the pollution. Hey, Halloween is when the Protestant doctrine was introduced. To the world. And so from there, you've got so many of these Antichrist preachers. They're no better than the priests who are all, all what? Homosexual? Homosexual priests. Isn't that what the Methodist Church did up here with the global? It's now the global Methodist Church. It's the same church. Why is that? Well, because there's a big doctrine of uh, homosexual marriage that's there. Well, you don't have to see anything else. You know, the, these people puff, the, the, the uh, theologians puff these people to the moon. What I found interesting is that uh, the theologians that I know came to me and they tried to puff Joseph Prince who was famous for saying, have an adulterer affair, and all this crazy doctrine. He's from uh, Singapore. And yet, his documentation on when he was ordained to be a minister is very fascinating. Do you know that there he was in church? And he had a shirt on. Now, this is right out of his own doctrine. What did his shirt say? His shirt said, it's not my fault you spread your legs open. That's what he was wearing. And yet the uh, preacher got up and said, he's ordained. He's ordained. Joseph Prince is going to speak to thousands. Blah, 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 blah. And he went on. What day was that? It was Halloween again. They see, Joseph Prince is a fake and a fraud. And I had the theologians Put their hands over their ears. Give me a hand in the face. Stop it. Tom's talking bad about Joseph Prince. See, they're the fruit of this Ptolemy Egypt library down the road, and this is what we get. And you say, well, so what? Let them be a Listen, they're spoiling people. They told people to run in there and get their jab, and we're getting the other end of that. We're getting death. We're getting the mark of the beast, and nanorobots are filling people's bodies. 
filling people's bodies. Okay, now, we'll go on to Revelations here. Go on to Revelations. And as we talk about this terrible Mount Hermon doctrine, this hermeneutics, and hermeneutics, they, they've changed in the uh, meaning to that, to mean just interpret the Bible, it's nothing but a poem. You just interpret it any way you want. Okay, but as you're turning there to Revelations, go to Revelations 18. But let's see here. We're in the book of Enoch, which is a good Christian book that we all ought to read, okay? Does not contradict the Bible at all. All it does is help reinforce and prove our Bible. It was all documented in the Dead Sea Scrolls. They found thousands of fragments of this book, including this part right here, chapter 6. This is the importance of Mount Hermon in the occult. And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels, the children of heaven, saw and lusted after them and said to one another, Come, let us choose us wives from among the children of men and begat us children. And Simjaza, who was their leader, said unto them, Ah, here's the shepherd of Hermes, Simjaza. One of them, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear ye will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, Let us all swear an oath, and all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swore they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were in all 200 and descended in the valleys of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And these are the names of their leaders. Jesus, their leader, Ak Bap Kil, or Bap Ah, Ramiel, Cocobiel, Tamil, Ramul, Daniel, Ezequiel, Barzajal, Aziel, Amorous, Beriel, Ananiel, Zephaniel, Sam Peel, Satanel, Turel, Jam Jail, and Surreal. These are their chiefs of tens. There it is. That's Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon. And this is what that school was named after. This is what that school was named after. Now, when it comes to this Mount Hermon, I want to let everybody know that Mount Hermon in Phoenicia is the first location of extraterrestrial extraterrestrial influence upon man. It lies precisely at 33.33 .33 degrees north 
and 33.33 degrees east, exactly 2,012 miles from the equator and 2,012 miles from the Paris meridian. That's no accident, by the way. So this doctrine of Hermes, this shepherd of Hermes doctrine that they replaced the book of Revelations with, has a similitude in there about the woman rising up out of the sea. Okay? And so she, uh, this woman is a symbol in Christianity. Now you'll bump heads with that. Remember this, our similitude language exposes the occult. And the occult get in our Bible, like they did here in the Philo School of Abomination here. They grab pieces of Christianity on us, and that masked what they're doing. And they try to pervert our doctrine, okay, by grabbing pieces of it. So you'll have things mentioned in both the good and the bad, and it's a language that we all need to know. So one, we know what is in the Bible. And two, when they try to pollute, you know what they're saying in their what is known as double speak. They speak, in, and it has a one meaning to the uninitiated. And then, the, the, then it reveals to the initiated. Okay? So here she is. I'm going to read one through nine. Here she is. And this is what is being used there in the Shepherd of Hermes. Okay? It's a symbol for the world government. It says, and there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will shew unto thee. This is, this is chapter 17 in the book of Revelations. I will shew unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Okay, when you go to the shepherd of Hermes, you have the same symbol, the many waters, and the great tower, and the beautiful harlot there described with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. You see the occult uh, spell has been put over the leaders of the world and the public here. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw an old woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast. So there's the whore full of the, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. We all know what that means. The ten unseen merchant kings and the seven kings and the seven hills. And four and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet colors and decked with gold and precious stone and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead, was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman, that's the one here, she's there in the shepherd of armies. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. 
And seven and the angel said unto to me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which had the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit that's right out of hell and go into perdition that's back into hell. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder. Here's the important part in parentheses. Whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. So if you love the world and the things that are therein, you're going to get the benefits of that, and that's back down into the pit, folks. You cannot love the world. Okay, but back into the scripture. When they behold the beast that was, this is the old Babylon, and is not, that's right, it's, it's at the time of this, it was now the Roman, and yet is. And that's the wicked eagle prophecy, folks. We just went through that, the wicked eagle prophecy, Nine, and here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman setteth. Okay. Then we go to the last, the last chapter of the Bible. Here. The last chapter of the Bible is 22, the number of new beginnings. Seven, seven, seven. And we start the next Shabu. The number of new beginnings, 20 and 2. This I was told to read last week and did not get to it. And this is the important part for anybody signing up with the occult religions, the Christian cult groups. I don't care which one it is. There's none of them any better. If you get saved and sitting in one of them temples, you were saved in spite of that temple, not because of it. That temple is there to guide you right to the throne of the antichrist that's what it's there to do and they're showing their their colors there's no reason for anybody to still believe in churchiology none churchiology is going to lead you to the antichrist going to deceive you you because in churchiology that temple you're walking into is an, it's an idol it is it's not just a building no, it ain't. You got your altar up there. God said, have no steps up to the altar. Well, they have steps. Have no images. There's images everywhere. Have no bricks. How many of them have bricks? Okay. But here we are. In 18, it says, for I testify unto every man. This is Christ talking. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. In 19, and if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So I go back to the uh, theologian here who's uh, all gushing over the other Bible versions and how they're all okay. And uh, yeah, they, they call up their, uh, 
great professor, the great doctor over Theologians College, and he says that the uh, it's just a poem. See, there's your hermeneutics. These polluters, these uh, worshipers of the fallen angels, come into the the, the Christian, so-called Christian little C community, and they tell everybody they don't need to read. They don't need to read. Just come to church, you're told. And if you want to do your uh, work for God, then go out here and plant daisies in the morning for us and roof the church for free and drag someone else in there. Right? That's right. And that church has the esoteric principles that the temples to Diana and the temples to Baal had in Canaan. The, the obelisk went from Egypt here where the uh, Ptolemy school, the Alexandrian Philo school, went from there to the Vatican there in Rome. The other one went, see, there's twin, like twin towers. See, that's the, uh, the yin and yang of occult Christianity. The good and the bad mixed together, and we balance out good and bad in the doctrine. And then our force moves forward. That's what they teach. Yeah. The other one went up to the Thames River, and there it sets. And those were real Egyptian obelisks. And a real obelisk is made out of one piece of stone. And the Pope said, if there's a scratch on it, you're all dead sailors. So they were very serious about that. They were very serious about their idolatry. And I'm telling you, the fruit comes out the other side. I have never met anybody that just gushes over church. They get a fuzzy feeling in there. They just come out all giddy. They actually get, may I say, this is true, they get turned on in there. Because there's another spirit in those temples. There just is. And I tell you, it's the spirit of Alexandria. It's the spirit of origin. And his Hebrew, Greek, into Latin that made 6,000 horrifying changes. And then made three doctrines that survived, and none of those agree on anything. The Vaticanus Receptus, the Alexandrius Receptus, the Sinaiticus Receptus, and then to the Jerome Latin Vulgate, or any of the other things that came out of it, like the Geneva Bible. All of it's horrifying. The Shepherd of Hermes is another name for Satan, folks. It's another name for Lucifer. And all English Bibles, except for the King James, came from the Egyptian Alexandrius Library. It came from Westcott and Horrible Hort. The uh, inventors of the Ghost Guild and their Hermes Club. And I'm telling you, that Mount Hermon is a big deal. It's a huge deal in the occult. It's worshipped by the occultists. 
and human sacrifices go on to this very day. Let me tell you something. Og, the great giant, was right there, right there next to Mount Hermes. There's portholes there. And those fallen angels that come down there in Hermes, they want innocent blood, folks. Just like all the occult religions of the earth, I don't care which one you go to, they all thrive on death, and they all thrive on opening the porthole and the innocent blood. With that in mind, is there anybody out there that has anything to say before I sign out here? Hey, Tom, you tasked me with looking into the Shepherd of Hermes and reading parts of it. Um, the book is nothing but allegorical, and it is trash from the beginning. It starts off with drawing the woman out of the water, out of her bath, and looking at her beauty, and then later she returns as an older woman uh, and is upset with Hermes for his sin for lusting after her. Um, it starts off there, and then it goes into these visions, and one vision, and Okay, you're cutting out all over the place. Listen, we're going to pick that, read that up next Sunday, then. Uh, get, we'll okay. get you on the phone where you can, uh, you're cutting out all over the place. So, um. Uh, We'll just go ahead and pick that up. And when he's talking about the two, uh, the lady there, that's the whore of Babylon. Notice that she was there out of the bathwater. That was for the early Babylon. That was for Nimrod and that group, Nebuchadnezzar. Then the second whore that he's talking about there, that represents the new Babylon, the mystery Babylon that's gathered up out of the old ashes of the old Babylon. So we're going to give him, we're going to start off next week. We're going to start off with him. We're going to get him on a good phone and he's going to go through that, what he knows and we'll give you the interpretation. We will give you the interpretation of what these scoundrels mean with their shepherd of Hermes doctrine. So, that being said, here from Clinton, New Franklin, Akron, Ohio, from Harriet, Benzie, Bo, and myself, may the Holy Ghost go with every one of us. Bye-bye.